Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Low and Zo Show. So today we have the first of two somewhat special episodes. Do you want to talk to us? Yes, because we are interviewing Coach Dan. Our relationship coach. Our relationship coach. Um, Dan is a friend of mine who I met a couple of years ago through a self-development course and Zoe has worked with him since. Um, But we wanted to have Dan on today to talk about relationships. Yes. And really kind of the topic of love because when it comes to manifestation, we actually haven't talked about this a whole lot. And I think that it's because Zoe and I both have more resistance to love and relationships than we do say success in business and things like that. So let's get into it. I'm Lo. And I'm Zoe. And this is The The Lo and Zoe Show. We're coaches and entrepreneurs who firmly believe that an abundant mind is the key to an abundant life. On this podcast, we're going to be talking everything from how to manifest more money, travel, success in business and beyond, to overcoming the blocks that are holding you back, to rewiring your brain so you can easily attract whatever it is you want the most in life. If you haven't already, be sure to join us inside our Facebook community, Abundant Mind Tribe, for daily tips, mindset hacks, manifesting tricks, and more that'll allow you to build the confidence you need to manifest the abundant AF life you deserve. Now let's get started. All right, guys. So as we said, we have a very special guest on today's podcast episode, and that is Coach Dan. Dan, can you please introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. So um, I, like Lauren said, I met her a couple of years ago, and then I met Zoe through Lauren, and we did a bit of work together. Um, Basically, what I do, it's more of a, from a coaching perspective, I essentially hold up a mirror to the person I'm working with so that they can see the current perspective they have on the relationship that they're in and how they're actually looking at it. And then by doing that, we're able to break down that perspective and develop a new perspective that would have them look at the relationship differently, which in turn has things show up a lot differently in the relationship. Yeah. So you refer to yourself as a relationship coach and I, and I know that's like something you're sort of working with in terms of like how to actually refer to yourself. And we've had a conversation where I was like, you're really more of like a, almost like a self-love coach. And we're going to talk about what that actually means. I don't think, I think when people hear like self-love or even just finding love through spirituality, it, it's very like over, um, I don't know, overused. And it's like, you know, just love yourself. When in reality, what it means to find more love in your life, in your relationships, is really about breaking down fear. And we're going to talk quite a bit about that. But I remember when I met you, you were like 23 or 24. And you're like, I really want to coach people through their relationships. And I was like, what what does that mean? Yeah. And what does this like 24-year-old know about? <laughs> but obviously, we have you on the podcast. Both Zoe and I have worked with you, personally hired you as our coach in the past. Um, and so, you know, you're someone that we believe has a lot to say on this topic. So mm-hmm. um, when you are starting working with someone, because you you, I think when people hear relationship coaching, they probably kind of think of it as like if you're in a relationship, almost like like relationship counseling or something like that, yeah. like marriage counseling counseling kind of thing. But that's really not how you approach things. And people don't necessarily need to be in a relationship to work with you, right? In fact, a lot of your clients aren't. Yeah, yeah, it's a good mix of, of the two. I'd say the, the nice thing about being in a relationship and working with someone who's in one is there's a lot of, um, it's very tangible. Like I can have a conversation with them. There's a lot of action to take around that. Whereas if you're not in a relationship, it's more so doing the work, going on the dates, applying a lot of the things we talk about. Um, but the relationship gives a very realistic um, 
kind of in the moment it's idea. Like a mirror. Yeah, it's like yeah. okay, this happened today, or this is something that I'm dealing with right now, um, and we can kind of break that down and approach it differently versus hey, I'd like to go on a date tomorrow. I don't really know what's going to happen. It's it's a lot easier to look at it after the fact. Mm -hmm. Or if something comes up and you know has an impact on how you're viewing your relationship, then to break that down. So as long as there's something there that you're going out and physically doing, um, I think right. that makes a really big difference versus if we're just talking about it conceptually, you can't get into it as much or as in depth. You're not exactly like you're not being confronted. Yeah. Right. Whereas when you're like actively in a relationship or working towards finding a relationship, like whoever it is that you're meeting or the situations that are unfolding for you are very much highlighting what you've got that you need to work through in yeah. terms of your own sort of like stories and limiting beliefs. And we're going to go into that a little bit. So you worked with Dan. Yes. What had you decide to hire him? Intuitively. <laughs> well, I just knew that I had to, but um, yeah, I was in a, a relationship with someone and I just felt like I was being confronted by all of my fears. All of my crazy inner narratives and stories were just being amplified, right? Because of this concept that everyone is your mirror. Mm -hmm. I was being shown what was hiding in my subconscious that I was not aware of. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like what resonates with both of us and why we wanted to have you on the podcast was because a lot of your coaching style isn't about like you do talk quite a bit about communication and, and things like that, but it's more like you've described to me before as it doesn't even really matter what the other person is doing. Like you don't spend a lot of time being like, well, yeah, he said this and therefore this is how you should respond. It's more like, well, how is it that you sort of created this um, feedback from the person that you're dating or in a relationship with. Yeah, yeah, it's very much, um, you know, you can look at that all day. You can you can talk about what your boyfriend's doing or what your girlfriend's doing. And that's, I think, where a lot of people approach it and, and where they get stuck is when they're talking about the relationship, the first, you know, conversation we have, a lot of it's like, well, I can't do this because my boyfriend's doing that. And it, it as long as it falls on the responsibility of their boyfriend or their yeah. girlfriend, their partner in general, there's not a lot they can do about it because at the end of the day, it's like you can't make someone act the way you want them to act. So the best way to approach that, the best way to actually deal with that is look at, well, what environment am I creating for this person to show up the way that they're showing up? Yeah. And when you say environment, it's like it, it, it's like an energy thing. Right? Yeah. Like what is it that you're putting out there that is only – because you can only get – from people like you draw out in them what it is that you're like expecting or creating for yourself if you expect that people are going to let you down you're going to create that through other people yeah and right? if if we look at it's, it's kind of exactly like you said what we're putting out there it's really what we get so if we look at a lot of the, the issues we have in our relationships or the things that we don't like about it you know we can sit there all day and say well this person isn't giving me enough love but at the end of the day it's like you got to start looking at well am i giving this person the love mm. that i want to be receiving and if you look at it from that perspective, it's like really the limit in your relationship comes from you, comes from what you're not willing to put into the relationship. And therefore, that's not what you're going to get back. Yeah, I just think like the one, the biggest thing that I really took away from working with you, Dan, is that concept that everyone is your mirror. And that when you're not seeing that love come back from someone else, it's because you're withholding it from yourself and just your life in general mm -hmm. in all different ways. And yeah. I think like then that gives you the opportunity to go to work on yourself and create more of that bond of self-love and more the more self-love you have the more love that you can give to others limitlessly yeah and and typically i find um with anyone really it's like when you're doing something from a place of love you know it can be something as small as like 
you know, helping something or helping someone with something little or like contributing to someone in some way. But when you come from that place of love with anyone, you start to view yourself a lot differently. So it's really the the situations where we get in this this funk almost of, you know, oh, I, I feel like I feel miserable or I don't feel like I'm getting the love I want to be getting. It's like when you start to look at your life and what you're doing, you're isolating yourself from people. You're isolating your emotions. You're not you know, sharing the, the, the depth of who you are. Um, but in the relationships where we share that the most, it's like, that's where we're the most fulfilled and that's where we're getting the most out of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in our next episode, we're really going to dive into this like concept of coming from love versus coming from fear, because I know like this was a huge breakthrough that I had even just yeah. a couple of months ago where I was like, I, I struggle in this, not struggle. I have more resistance in this area of my life because I've had so much fear. And I often have this question of like, how come I have such amazing friendships and how come my business is thriving when I like, and, and then in this one area, I'm not getting the results that I want when it's quite easy for me to have that in other places. So we're going to talk about, you know, like what Dan's saying about coming from love versus fear. Um, but on like kind of leading up to that, what role do you see? Like, because this podcast is all about essentially manifestation. That's really kind of what we're predominantly talking about. What role do you see energy playing or manifestation playing we've talked like touched on it a little bit because you also combine like communication um strategies and things like that yeah. within your coaching so you recognize that like that's important as well but what role do you see like manifestation or your energy playing in our relationships so I'll, I'll give you a good example actually that came up the other day um with someone i was working with um one of the conversations i have with people a lot is this idea of um making something a priority versus compromising Mm. And yeah. a lot of people look at making something a priority as like it's the number one thing in your life. You put it above all else um, versus a compromise being like, you know, when you're taking away from something else. And I think people start to to collapse the two where they're like, I'm making my partner my priority, but I'm, you know, losing sleep or I'm losing time spent on my business. Or there's all these other things, these self-care things that make a big difference in your life that you're now not doing because of the time you're giving to your partner. Um, so when I look at coming from a priority versus coming from a place of compromisation, really the priority is what do I need to do to you know, take care of my needs, take care of myself so that I can best show up for the person that I'm with. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, if you spend nine hours with someone and you're not fully there, you're not you know, 100% present with that person, does it really matter that you spent nine hours with them versus you, know, you guys have an hour together, but you're 100% present, there's nothing else you're thinking about, you're not thinking about, you got three hours of sleep last night or the things you haven't done for your business or the workout you missed. Um, you can actually fully be there for that person. And that interaction is so much more powerful than it would be if you spent that nine hours kind of in your head doing other things. Um, so realistically, when I look at that approach, it's like from an energy perspective or from the way you approach it, you know, it's, it's a similar conversation, but you approach it differently. So rather than saying to your partner, you know, um, I really want to spend time with you, but I have, you know, this to do for my business. I have to, you know, get this done and I have to go to the gym and I have to do this. It's like they're going to leave that conversation feeling like they're not a priority in your life. But if you have that same conversation and the, the commitment or the intention you're coming from is, you know, look, I want to get the most out of our interactions. I want to spend time with you and just be present with you. And in order to do that, you know, let me take care of some of these things that I have to do today so that at the end of the day today, you know, it's 7 p.m. or whenever our day is over, 
we can spend two hours together and I can be fully present with you because it leaves them with this idea of, okay, they're going to take care of those things so mm -hmm. they can spend time with me and be with me versus they're choosing those things over me. Yeah. I think this kind of leads into like attachment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like when we're not prioritizing ourselves within that relationship or within that interaction, or we, we sort of start really like prioritizing the other person over everything else because we have this like need for love from other people or validation from other people. It's so easy to come from, like to just kind of throw all that stuff out the window and then become really attached in within the, within the relationship. Yeah. There's, um, there's things that like, once you get attached to a relationship or you feel like there's a, there's a hole or there's a gap you're filling with that relationship. There's a lot of fear around, if I lose this, then what happens? Mm -hmm. You know, what happens with my life? What happens with, you know, uh, how I feel about myself? Because there's this, there's thing you've put on another person externally. And if they're not there to fill that hole, then, you know, what do you do? Um, so really it's like, you don't, as important as this person is for your life, if you make them the pillar of everything and everything revolves around this person, if your relationship's down, your life is down. If your relationship's up, your life is up. But it's very much a roller coaster based on this external force versus, mm -hmm. you know, if you're doing the things you need to do to take care of yourself and really feel empowered about the life you're living and you also make this person a priority, you, you know, compromise on the things that you're already doing, but you do make them a priority in your life. You know, if the relationship has some some bumpy times, it's not going to completely derail everything you're doing. Yeah, I think we can all relate to that um, attachment is the root of our suffering in whatever sense that is. Attachment to outcomes, your business, or the relationship. So how do you advise people the best way to stay detached? Got it. So it's, it's uh, I think that question kind of answers it is, is the, the mindset a lot of people have is how do I best avoid attachment? Um, they really focus on how do I not do this or how do I avoid this or how do I resist this? And the more they're thinking about that, you know, the more it ends up being an issue. But if you start to look at how can I come from a place of, you know, being an independent person and being someone who does all the things I need to do in my life, but also support this person and be there for them 100%. It comes back to that idea, and I know we'll get into it um, the next time I speak to you guys, but this idea of coming from a place of love versus coming from a place of fear. And if we look at attachment, a lot of the root of attachment is there's some sort of fear mm -hmm. that we have around, you know, I need to now spend nine hours with this person because if I don't, they're going to be upset with me and maybe they'll break up with me or maybe they'll leave. And a lot of that comes from these past relationships we've had where we're like, we start to relate um, pieces of our current relationship to what's already happened. So it's like if our boyfriend or our girlfriend or our partner or whatever, there's a situation where they cheated on us or you know whatever came up in the past, when we start to recognize similar patterns of like, oh my God, like this person is like upset with me because I'm not spending time with them, are they gonna go off and find that attention somewhere else? Now we're operating from that place of fear. We're coming from, I'm gonna spend nine hours with you because I'm afraid if I don't, you're going to leave. You know what's interesting about this is I feel like you're telling it from the male's perspective of like she she's expecting me to spend nine hours yeah. with her. Whereas from the female perspective, it's almost like I want him to spend nine hours with me to validate that he has the feelings for me that I need him to have. Yeah. Right? So it's like even needing them to show up in a certain way is still coming from this like place of attachment or like this place of um, fear of like, like I think like 
we all have such and and, and this really kind of leads into stories that we have mm. about ourselves about relationships about how people show up for us about how worthy or lovable we are like i know that's been like a big thing for you though to work yeah. through is Definitely. that old story that you have yeah do you want to talk a little bit about like where that has come from and maybe like what you've worked on with dan yeah i think like it to the deepest root of it all, it just comes back to this theme of being unlovable. And a lot of you out there can probably recognize these feelings of maybe unlovable or unworthiness. We all have this really deep wound within us that kind of allow the stories to stem from. So for me personally, I would say that, I don't know, Dan, Coach Dan, what what are some of our main stories that you helped me work through? Some probably abandonment. I think I had this one story that you really pulled out to me that was... Um, you can't abandon me if I abandon you oh, first yeah. because I'm so scared of being abandoned. Like reject. Like, yeah, reject I'll, it. Yeah. I'll reject you. I'll leave before you can leave me. Yes. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, one of the, one of the things. <laughs> like, how does that serve us? Like, how does that serve it's, me? You know, it's like, I, I know that I do want a loving relationship in my life and I am the self-sabotager of that through all the stories, basically. So like if this, if I don't if if I have this root of being unlovable and I really do want love but then I get in the way of it with all my stories. Yeah, yeah, it's um it's it's this unique thing I find, and it happens in relationships. It, it's 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 very backwards. It's like, um you know we get in this this headspace of if I want this person to realize what they're missing out on. Oh, yeah. I need to pull away from the situation. <laughs> and it's like in any other area of life, if, if like you're in a, in a job and you're on contract and you have three months to prove to this company you're working for that you're the best employee for the job, the last thing you're going to do is be like, well, I'm just going to take a couple days off a week. I'm going to you know do a bit of work here and there. And they're going to realize what they're missing. But it's like they never got to fully experience who you are. Right. So it's like this expectation of I want them to realize who I am without actually putting myself out there and oh, giving them so all good. of who I am. Yeah. And it's it's so backwards because we walk away from that situation being like, well, I, you know, I, I dove into this and I gave them 100 percent of me and they didn't, you know, realize what they're missing out on. So now I'm going to detach myself from the situation or pull away and then they'll be sorry. It's this it's this like spiteful thing of like they're going to realize what they missed out on. But it's never end of the works, day, which never works. Right. <laughs> yeah. But but realistically, it's like if you want someone to realize who you are and what you bring to a relationship, if you dive into that relationship 100 percent. It's like they're almost taken back by this person is giving me everything and asking for nothing in return. And from that place, it's like that's where they're going to you know, realize your true value and why they actually want to be with you in the first place. So a lot of – I know, Zoe, we had a couple conversations about um, this idea of like as soon as you feel – you know, this idea of rejection or abandonment or like someone's slowly starting to pull away or it could be something as small as people really, you know, blow up um, little things like, uh, and it can start as small as like, you know, this guy I'm with texts me every morning and this morning he didn't. Yeah. And now you're like, okay, well, what's wrong? Like, is, is, is everything okay? Like, does he not like me as much as he liked me yesterday? Enter attachment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it becomes this whole thing. And then our immediate reaction as human beings is to protect ourselves. Right. And so we're like, okay, well, he didn't text me this morning. I'm just going to pull away. And when he texts me today, maybe I'll wait six hours until I say something. 
And I'm going to withhold all the love. Yeah, yeah. you're going to withhold the love because we think that if we withhold the love, they're going to come and fill that gap of what we're withholding. But in reality, for us to continue to receive that love from that person, it's like we got to continue giving that love to them. As hard as that may be, as, as much as that may conflict with your ego and the things that come up in your head, um, but that's where those stories develop. It's like this idea of um, you, you're waiting for someone to reject you or abandon you. And as soon as there's any hint of that being a possibility, I'm going to do it first. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, and I think that this is like it, it's terrifying the idea of really putting yourself out there, like having your full self be known, being vulnerable and being rejected from that right of like what if I put my whole heart into this whatever it is it could also be in your business I mean I see it all the time and I certainly did it myself where it was like I'd only put pieces of myself out there or I would kind of like project an image of myself that I wanted people to perceive I guess of me because if I put my full self out there and I made myself really vulnerable and then I failed or then I got rejected in that relationship or that dating situation that would just be like devastating right whereas if I put pieces of me out there and they leave well at least I haven't put everything on the line or at least I like it's not me who's being fully fully rejected yeah yeah it's a very uh it's a very safe approach it's a safe bet but the downside of that is they never you know really experience who you are so it's like and a lot of that comes from we've had these past relationships where it's like well you know when i was 14 or when i was 16 i was dating this person i put myself out there and then they it wasn't enough for them or they they left and that's where the story is really developed is like you know, we have a relationship that ends in a way we don't want it to end. And rather than just looking at it for what it is of like, hey, you know what, this just didn't work out. This, you know, this wasn't meant to be the relationship that I didn't have to have anything to do with me. Yeah. That's what we make it mean something about us. Yeah. It becomes this whole thing of like, look, at the end of the day, what happened is, you know, this relationship just didn't work out. Um, But we go into this whole cycle of like, well, it didn't work out because I wasn't good enough for him or I wasn't good enough for her. And like, they didn't think that like I could provide for them what they were looking for in a relationship wasn't pretty enough wasn't pretty enough we go in this whole downward spiral and we already have these these stories that we just start to solidify you know if I think fundamentally that I'm unattractive right regardless of what happens in a relationship I will always point back to that so that person leaves or they're like hey you know what I'm gonna break up with you it's like they broke up with me because I'm unattractive yes yeah, I think like this is such a good topic of like we can only perceive things through our lens or yeah. the lenses that we have about ourselves. So if you have stories from the past about being unlovable, being unattracted, uh, unattractive, sorry, or like, I, I mean, I've, I've heard stories, the same story from quite a few people, which is like, I'm just never the one for mm. anybody else. Like I never seem to be the one. Like you only know how to perceive these events or these unfoldings from other people through those stories. Like it's like you categorize them into like, look, this is more evidence for that story that I have, that I'm unlovable or I'm unworthy of the relationship or the love that I want, right? Yeah, and our wounds, they thrive off of that evidence. They just love the evidence. And then the the ego is so happy because it gets to throw up all the walls (laughs) and say, okay, we're building a fort now. No one's allowed in and uh, we're going to stay in the comfort zone. (laughs) Well, and then I think we have this expectation. We put up all these walls and we're like, I'm just waiting for the person who's going to like, like, you know, swim across the moat, smash these down. Yeah, exactly. We're like, and so we enter into relationships. I mean, I definitely see my, I've certainly done this in the past and I've, I see women especially doing it, but men as well, where it's like, now we're looking for this one person who, even though we have all these walls up, they're going to take it upon themselves to prove their love to me, to prove that I'm enough because I need to be convinced of it. And if you're not doing that, then I'm going to, you know, 
reject you. It's like we set up all these rules, right? Like rules to like give and receive love. Right. These conditions. Yeah. It's all conditional yeah. rather than being unconditional. Yeah. Yeah. It's very conditional. And even if they, you know, even if we find the guy, we find the girl that, that climbs over that wall or breaks <laughs> that wall down, it's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. You don't like trust how it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, it's like, you know. Why is he so available? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's this weird, this weird um, scenario where it's like, if he doesn't break down that wall, it's like, well, he wasn't meant to be. And like, I'm glad I didn't put myself out there. And if he does, it's like, whoa, like. This guy's way too you? available. Like, why is he doing this? Like, why would he actually put up a fight for me when I'm sitting there putting up all these walls? And then that becomes an issue. <laughs> and it's like, there's there's no winning in, in that scenario. Um, and if we look at a lot of those situations where it's like, you know, I just want someone to love me or I just want someone to be proud of me and we're just constantly reaching for that. It's like, you got to start to ask yourself, well, are you proud of yourself? Why do you need that so badly yeah. from other people? Why are you looking for that from someone else? Uh-huh. It's like when you can love yourself and who you are fundamentally, you don't need that from anyone. You get to be this independent person who is just, you have everything you need. It's like, you know, you're the cake and that person is just the icing on top. You can yes. continue to be the cake without them. Yeah. But when you start yeah. to look at them as like, I can't even be the cake. I don't have any eggs or flour. And like, <laughs> you were the sugar. Yeah. You became the sugar. <laughs> Your cake is completely falling apart <laughs> it's like well, you're, you're never gonna feel whole as a result of that yeah yeah um well and I think that like this kind of leads into this like because so many people go after people who are unavailable to them and the reason and like so and I certainly have experience of this of like I'm more attracted to people who are un or, or like less available to me and what that really comes from is like that's safe if that person is not really available to you, you don't ever have to risk letting them all the way in. I think that it is the safety thing to it, but it's also this concept of everyone's your mirror. You attract what you are, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we attracted right. emotionally unavailable because we are emotionally unavailable. <laughs> and even though, like, that's a tough pill to swallow, I think, like, it, you attract what needs to come to the surface, right? Like, if totally. Everyone, everyone's your mirror, everyone's your teacher. What they're reflecting back to you is, like, oh, that awareness right thanks you know you can be grateful thank you for making me aware that I am first of all emotionally unavailable but then here are my stories amplified and this is what's so interesting about that is we attract these people into our lives who are nothing more than a reflection of what we're putting out there so let's say you like you are saying I want the love of my life and then you attract someone into your life who reflects back to you what you need to work on so that you can attract the love that you want but then what happens is like maybe what what that person is reflecting back to you is the fact that you don't think you're lovable. So the way that manifests is them not really showing up for you the way that you'd like to. And then what you do is you make that person wrong. You point fingers. You're like that a-hole. Screw him. When in reality, all he was or she was, was like the vessel the universe used to mirror that back to you. So that you can go to, we should be so freaking grateful for these people. Right. And like, this is what I think is really interesting about what you do, Dan, and why like I've recommended you to a lot of people is that you don't put, like you have your clients take full responsibility. And I know that when I go to you with some issue I'm experiencing or something that I'm experiencing with maybe someone that I'm dating, you're not, you don't spend long being like, yeah, Lauren, like you don't spend long validating me in my stories about this other person and what they're doing. You're you're very quick to be like, all right, well, what were you putting out there to have this happen? And I'm Mm. like, damn it, Dan, just like validate me for one second. It's so good though, because it (laughs) gets us to take so much responsibility for our lives. And like, that's why I love working with you, Dan, is because you're just like, 
to the point. Like, the ego <laughs> wants that validation yeah. of you being like, yeah, you're right. He was being an a-hole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't serve the other person. So maybe you could talk a little bit about like taking full responsibility because no one else is able to treat you in a way that you're not welcoming in. Like everything yeah. in your life is a projection of you. So when you take full responsibility for any area of your life, but especially in relationships, that's where you gain all the power. And that's really where you go to work with people. Yeah, it's very like, I, I, and I look at the end of the day, whoever I'm talking to, I want them to feel heard. Uh, and I want them to get that I get, you know, where they're coming from and the issue that they have. So it's like, you you have to have someone leaving the conversation feeling like, you know, Dan really heard me out. Yeah. Like he really heard what the issue was because until you hear that, you can't give someone some sort of, you know, pathway to take. And what that looks like is you, is you hearing being like, yeah, I understand how that must've made you feel. Right. So if I'm telling you a story about some guy that like ghosted or something like that, yeah. you're not just going to be like, well, Lauren, how is this a reflection of you? Because you know that at that moment in time, I'm not going to be open to getting your feedback until you, I get that you understand what I'm emotionally dealing with. Yeah, right? that's what the great thing where I said is like you're always to the point where like Lauren might be or I, for example, expressing this this pain and this hurt and then you can intuitively listen and then mm. pull out the stories and then when yeah. you can say, you know, so like this is what I this is what I'm hearing, all of a sudden it just melts away all of my emotions. Well, I, guess. I think and what you're saying is like that's the the step two. Step yeah. one is you being like, Yeah, I understand that sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For you. Now we can go to work. Yeah. Is that, that's like. Yeah. Sometimes it's like someone just wants to hear you say, you know, that really sucks. Like it really sucks that that happened to you. Yeah. Because we're so quick to jump to, well, did you try this? Or like (laughs) some sort of advice or some sort of like, why don't you look at it differently? But it's like, we expect someone to take on our perspective without first hearing theirs. And as long as we're not willing to hear their perspective, it's like, well, they're not going to be willing to hear ours because they're still waiting for us to listen to what they're actually saying. And if you can hear the things they're saying that they're not saying, which is, you know, there's a lot of situations where it's like, I'm upset with, um, you know, I think an easy example to use is like, I'm upset with my boyfriend because before I left for work, I told him, you know, I asked him to do the dishes. He said he would. And then when I came back, they were still there. And it's like, you, you can get attached to the idea of like, oh, you're just upset because your boyfriend didn't do the dishes. It's not a big deal. But it's never that physical thing. It's never that right. your boyfriend didn't do the dishes. It's like you have this experience of like, you know, you lean on your boyfriend, you ask him to do something and he, he says he'll do it. And then at the end of the day, he doesn't. It's like, is he even listening to me? And it's it's that mm-hmm. that piece, like hearing that from someone, from what they're saying is like, wow, like they really get or Dan really gets what what the thing is that's making me upset in the first place. Right. And once you can get that, then you can start to look at, you know, the situation as a whole. Um, and I think a lot of that is just breaking down how you're looking at it. Because again, it, it does come from that place of, you know, whatever story you've created or whether whatever you're trying to reinforce. Um, and it's, it's a lot of why when I'm working with people, one of the, the rules I have is you're not allowed to go to your friends and talk about your boyfriend, your girlfriend anymore. <laughs> yeah. Because what we love to do is we go to our closest group of friends and we say, <laughs> you'll never guess what happened today. <laughs> you know, I woke up and my partner was doing this and like it really pissed me off. He's like such an asshole. Or she's, she's been like, you know, so terrible to me. And then 
your friends, of course, they want to be there. They want to support you. And their way of doing that is to validate everything you're saying. Yeah. So it's like, wow, that sounds terrible. Like, I can't believe they do that. And then it becomes this whole snowball effect of like, you now have this validation of this is how this person is or who this person is for you. And it starts to warp your image of, of how they show up. Yes. So you no longer see them as that supportive person that's in a loving relationship with you. You start to see them as the person that's, you know, not valuing the things that you value. But also what you focus on expands. So the more you like tell that old story of, yeah. and, and like allow it to gain momentum because you're talking to your girlfriends or whatever, mm. the more you're just going to keep getting that. Like whatever it is that you're focusing on in that other person, they can only show up for you that way. Yeah. Right? So in like continuing to create them that way for anyone who will listen, which the ego loves, you can't really get any, you're like expecting that you shouldn't have to change your expectation of someone in order for them to change. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to keep complaining about you, but I need you to change so that I can stop complaining. <laughs> yeah. Stop complaining and that person will show up differently. Yeah. The, the one thing you mentioned uh, a bit earlier um, before I went off on a bit of a tangent was this idea of, you know, when something shows up in a relationship, it being the mirror and the, the, I think the, the fundamental thing for that is, is this idea of triggers of, of, mm. you know, things that trigger us. And we, we often look at them as like, well, this person said something and it really triggered me today. And it's, it's a very externally focused thing of like, they're responsible for triggering me. But at the end of the day, it's like, <laughs> you want to start to look at that as this is now an opportunity because a trigger is one of two things. The, the way I look at it is either a trigger is something where it's like, okay, I'm clearly incomplete with this and I had no idea right. that I was, or I'm incomplete with this and I've been pushing it down and pushing it down and pushing it down and it just keeps coming back up and it's finally come up again. Clearly there's something to work through here. Could we give an example of what that like actually looks like, like an insecurity or something like that that gets triggered? Yeah, so it's like, um, you know, if you're with, um, I know you just, I'm trying to think of something that'd be good. Well, even like if it's, if it's, you have a story that like you're not attractive to the opposite sex and then all of a sudden, you know, you're dating someone who maybe you see him look at somebody else yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or he says something that you decide means right. like it triggers that insecurity in you. Yeah. So if, if you're, you know, if fundamentally you have this, this, um, this story about yourself that you're not attractive. Mm -hmm whenever your partner does anything that makes you feel anything less than attractive, right. which I, I guarantee you will happen all the time if you have that in the background. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, again, it's something as small as like, oh, he looked at another girl or like he mentioned some girl that he's talking to that's a good friend of his. And then you get triggered by that. You'll start to lash out at that person, at your boyfriend and be like, hey, like, you know, why are you talking about this other girl or why are you doing this? And it becomes this whole conversation of now pinning it on them. But realistically, <laughs> if you look at it fundamentally, you know, this insecurity that you have has now been triggered by this person. And it's like I can look at it at one of two ways. I can say it's his fault for, you know, mentioning it and having this come up. Or you can say, you know what, I can take responsibility and I can really own the fact that I'm clearly, you know, I have this insecurity that I'm not complete with. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the, the words fault and responsibility uh, for a lot of people go hand in hand where if I talk about taking responsibility, the first thing people hear is fault. If I own a situation, it's, yeah. it's my fault. Yeah. And people don't want to give up the right to be right about it's not their fault. Right. And so if I can look at the situation from, okay, what can I take responsibility for? And it's not that you're taking responsibility for everything. You know, if your partner's 
you know, being a jerk to you, you're not going to sit there and be like, well, it's my, it's my right. fault that he's being a jerk to me. But it's like, how can I show up in this situation or what can I take ownership for that had this conversation escalate to where it's now escalated, where we're now having a full-on argument? Right. Because at the end of the day, it's like, it, it takes two people to have an argument. It takes two people for that to be blown out of proportion. And it's not just this one-sided thing that we make it out to be where it's like, well, it's the other person's fault for having it go this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so good. It's so powerful. So what? Well, what do you, how do you recommend people, once they know these stories, know these inner narratives, and they do get triggered, how do you begin to heal well, that? And I, honestly, I think we're always uncovering more stories. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like all of a sudden you're like, oh, I know all my stories, and now I'm done. <laughs> Zoe and I, like, still all the time, especially through talking to Dan, is like, oh, I had this story. I didn't even know it was there. And, like, so I don't think it ever completely ends. But once you become aware of a story... Yes, but how, but what could be a step that anyone listening who can recognize, oh yeah, what Dan just said, that, that exists within me. Yeah. How so, can they begin to change? So it's, it's really, and I, I know I've mentioned this to you, Zoe, because we talk a lot about changing or fixing or making something better. Yes. <laughs> um, it, it's really about letting, letting go. Mm. Um, so it's, it's, some of these stories will never go away. You know, if, if you don't fundamentally think you're attractive, you may never believe that you're attractive. Right. Yeah. But how, how much are you going to let that run your life? Right. So it's like these stories are going to continue to come up, but how you deal with them will be the thing that shifts. And it's really letting go of the perspective you have in that moment where if that's triggered in you, you can take the same route you've always taken where you can stomp your feet and you can get upset with the person and you can storm off and then you guys reconcile later, but you've never actually dealt with the issue at hand. Mm -hmm. That will continue to come up and it will continue to derail your relationship to the point where one of those stories, one of those days, one of those arguments is going to be the end. It's going to be the last straw for you or it's going to be the last straw for them where they're like, I can't do this anymore. Right. Versus if you can start to acknowledge it like as soon as you get in that conversation, you can recognize it. Be like, oh my god, that it's coming up again. This idea that I'm not attractive. He never said I'm not. A, on a, he never said I'm unattractive. <laughs> all yeah. he said was like, wow, those. You know, um, all he said was like, hey, I had a really fun time with my friend Zoe today. And then you're and like, and then you're like, oh well, why why do you spend the day with Zoe? Do you think she's attractive? Like, what's going on there? Are you guys gonna start dating? And it becomes this whole spiral, and then that leads into he must not think I'm attractive because he spent the day with Zoe. Right. He thinks other women are. more He attractive. thinks other women yeah. are more attractive. But if you can just, you know, bite that when it comes up and be like, okay, I'm, I'm getting in my head again about this. All he said was, I spent the day with Zoe. Yeah. And that was it. It doesn't mean anything about us. It doesn't mean anything about a relationship. At the end of the day, he came back to me and we're continuing a relationship. Right. Yeah. Then you start to recognize it and you don't have to go down that route. And that's a completely different pathway now where it's like rather than having a full-blown argument about, you know, your boyfriend spending the day with Zoe – you're not like, wow, there's, you know, what'd you guys do today? Like, so how was your day? who are you hanging out with? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Just me, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and I think, like, something that, that is really interesting about all of this is that even to start, say, like, working with Dan or going to work on these stories that you have, you have to be in a position where you're willing to take responsibility in the part that you played. And, and you, you know, talked about how... Um, it, it's like, it's not to say that it's it's completely your fault, but you have to be in a position, or, or no, I remember what you said. You said, some people are not willing to stop being right about yeah. other people. Like our ego loves to be like, no, 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 it was him, wasn't me, right? And so to even start going to work on this, like I know you work with people who are at a point of being like, I'm ready to take responsibility for the role that I play in creating my life, 
right? Rather, And a lot of people are not ready to do that, yeah. honestly. A lot of people would rather it continue being easy, which is essentially being a victim to outside circumstance. Yeah, and the one thing I say to people all the time is most people would rather be right than be happy. Right. And it's this idea of <laughs> oh, like, so sick. you know, I'd rather be right about the fact that this is who this person is right. than be happy with them and look at it differently. And I think fundamentally that's the thing that people do, deal with is giving up this idea of being right in this perspective we have about who that person is. Or some people have this very general perspective about, about you know, who men are or who women are. Yes. And they just look at them as this like blanket thing is like all men are blank or all women are blank. And then there's never any possible way that those people can show up differently. Yeah. You'll never get anything outside that story. Yeah. You'll mm -hmm. never see them differently. So it's like, I'm not interested in, in working with someone that's not at a point where they're like, hey, you know what? Uh, there are clearly things. I'm the common denominator here in all these relationships. There are clearly things that I do that aren't working. What do I do to start to shift that? Because at the end of the day, it's like I can't. All I can do is hold up a mirror and hope that you look into it. If you're not willing to and you want to just keep looking out the window at the other person, then I can't do anything for you. Right. See you in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But what I can say is like from working with you, Dan, when you held up the mirror and I was willing to do the work, I saw the change in the reflection happen instantly. Yeah. Like when I would go hang out with this person and show up in a different way, show up in love, which we're going to get to in the next episode. But when I would come from that space with my new awarenesses, and show up differently based mm -hmm. on that. I got a direct reflection back. Even he, so, he showed up. He showed, yeah, he yeah. showed up differently. And so, sometimes it was without even me saying anything. It was just energetically, it was different. Yeah, it's it's like people are just, um, you know, we we go through people in life. There are a series of mirrors. We get very attached to this relationship is the one. Right. And when we do all those things, you know, when we do the work, and there's people I've worked with where we've done the work and the relationship doesn't work out. And then we get attached to this idea of like, oh, well, you know, clearly it wasn't enough or they fall back into that story. It's like, no, this person showed you everything they needed to show you. Mm. And at the end of the day, you get to walk away from that relationship empowered being like, you know what, as, as painful as this was or as much as this hurt me because I love this person, I care about them. I really grew a lot and I learned a lot so that the next person that shows up in my life, I can continue this journey with them. So it's like, it's really the road to you discovering the love for yourself through loving other people. And eventually you'll get to the point where you meet the person where you guys are able to work on the, you know, things there are to work on together and you have this, you know, perfect synchronicity of like, I can take ownership for my stuff, they can take ownership for their stuff, and you build this incredible foundation for a relationship that's actually gonna last, that's not ego-driven, it's not attached to this idea of like, this person's the one and I need to be with them, and you know, coming, again, coming from this place of fear to create that relationship, it's, it's like, no, there's this new foundation of love with this person because mm -hmm. you've accepted the love for yourself and you can show up that way with them. But it's all about letting go of the fears of the things that you've been holding Stories. on to. Yeah, well, and here's the thing is, if you're not willing to do that, and this is what we see with most people, especially people who are like maybe less into self-development, is you will keep getting that reflected back to you, that you'll continue being presented with that same lesson, Yeah. right? Like you, this is why people get into patterns in terms of the types of relationships and interactions that they attract to themselves because they, that's why people create these stories of like all men are X, all mm. women are, you know, can't be trusted, whatever, because they, they're like, okay, I have this, they have this deep down subconscious belief or story that 
men can't be trusted or men for me for a long time because I read these books about like he's just not that into you and like books that basically said men are like emotionally unavailable and they don't really want a relationship that was like a real story for me and I attracted that over and over I was like projecting that and until I started to shift that within me I couldn't get anything different so like that was a a pattern of mine yeah. right so it's like if you're not willing to look at what that other person is showing you and grow through it you're gonna keep getting it yeah, yeah the teachers will keep appearing in, the <laughs> in same different way. forms yeah yeah and one thing i want to say dan you you had this analogy of like going down the river yeah when it comes to these lessons like you're like you could take your canoe out and <laughs> go walk away from you know the flow of this and and your lessons if you're just gonna show up in fear mm. or you know, it's going to come back. Dan's the analogy yeah. king. Yeah, yeah. Is amazing. <laughs> yeah. The, the one conversation I had with Zoe, we talked about this idea of like life is really, you know, people talk about going with the flow. Uh, and it's this whole thing of like, well, I, I want to go with the flow or I want to make sure that in life I'm going with the flow. It's like, well, we always are. Uh, it's it's how we travel with that flow that makes a difference. So mm-hmm. the, the analogy I use with Zoe is, you know, we can spend our lives going down the river and every time we hit rapids, we can pick our boat up we can take it to the side and we can walk it down until the rapids are done and throw it back in the water. But those rapids are going to keep coming up. And until we deal with the rapids, you know, we're never going to be able to be like, okay, well, I can do this. It's always going to be, well, here's another set of rapids. Let me take my boat out. Let me walk it down the bank of the river and then go back into the water. And we look at that. We're like, well, this is me going with the flow because it's easy. You know, I'm going with the flow because this feels like the easy thing to do and it makes sense. But at the end of the day, that three hours that it takes you to walk down the side of the river, you could have gone through the rapids in 15 minutes. Yeah, if so, you just looked at your fears. Yeah, so if you can really start to attack that and approach that, and that's really where it comes back to. It's not that these issues won't ever come up again. It's how long am I going to sit on them? How long is this going to impact my life, my relationships, You know, everything in my life? before I do something about it. And that's the idea of like really tackling the rapids because the first time you go through them, it's going to be a shit show. It's going to be hard to navigate. You know, you're going to get water in your boat. It's going to be tough. But when you get to the other side, you have this newfound appreciation of I can actually do this. And when that second set and that third set and that fourth set of rapids come along, you've now built this this confidence of I can actually get through this mm-hmm. and where it would have taken you you know 30 minutes the first time now it's taking you 15 now it's taking you five so where that translate and translates in real life is like where there's an issue that you would have sat on for a month or a year or a year where you hold this this grudge (laughs) or years (laughs) where you hold this grudge or you hold this this belief that i need to be right about this about you know how life is or who this person is you know you can hold on that for months or years or whatever that may be but as you start to deal with these things, it becomes a very temporary process. It's like, you know, it goes from a year to a couple months and then it goes from a couple months to one month. And then, right. you know, eventually you get to the point where you're like, you'll sit on something for an hour and be like, this isn't worth it. It's not worth it to sit on this and be right about it when I can just let this go. Yeah. And I, you know, I commend people for doing the work because it's not, these are not easy lessons. No. For the people that have been in relationships where for the past five relationships they've been cheated on. That sucks. That's not an easy lesson to stomach. It's not an easy lesson to deal with. Or take responsibility for. Or take for responsibility it. Yeah. for it because it's, you look at that, it's like, well, how do I take responsibility for the fact that my boyfriend or my girlfriend cheated on me? It's like, well, you're not taking responsibility for the fact that it happened. It's what are the actions that you take that continue to lead to that outcome? Right. 
So it's like if you continue to put yourself in this situation where this person shows up and they, they you know cheat on you or they end the relationship in that way, what am I compromising or what am I letting you know slide in this relationship in order for this to show up? And a lot of that comes back to that that idea of like um, you know fear versus love is like am I actually approaching this relationship from a place of love or from a place of fear? Like, am I just holding on to this for dear life and hoping for the best, knowing that there are things about this relationship that just don't fit well with me? Things that I'm now compromising on, like, oh, this person wants me to, you know, give up on my dream and spend more time with them. How long are you going to sit in that relationship before you realize that's not actually what you want? Right. And they're now just filling this void or this gap. And when they leave, it's like, oh, it happened again. And, you know, you continue to put yourself in that situation. Right. Yeah. Let's continue being right about it. And let's hope the next person shows up differently for me without me having to do anything differently. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you got to you got to recognize what it is that you want. You're and the like common denominator. Yourself. Yeah. 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 That was like a real like, turning point for me a few years ago of like, because I had, you know, like everybody else had patterns showing up. And finally, I got to this point where I was like, well, I'm the common denominator. Like this isn't yeah. like chance. And and this is what we do is we like generalize. Well, it's with everybody else. You know, everyone else is showing up the same way for me. Mm-hmm. And it's not my fault. <laughs> it's yes. like, well, you are the only thing that all those people had in common. Yeah. <laughs> right. So like looking at that, I think is like where, what are, what are the patterns that you guys experience? What are the things that you continuously draw out in other people? And then looking at why is that happening? That's where all your power is. Yeah, and I think the the crazy thing, and the the thing that only hit me, you know, a year or two ago, was I had relationships in the past that ended, you know, in ways I didn't want them to, and I remember looking at that person a year or two years or three years down the road with someone else, and you know they're in this happy relationship, and. At first, I was very judgmental. I'm like, well, you know, how can that guy be with her when she was like this way with me? And then I started to think about it. I'm like, well, you know, when I talk to this guy, and some of these people have been my friends, where it's like, hey, like, this is how our relationship went. Like, how is things going for you? And things just seem fantastic. (laughs) And I'm like, well, how is that the case? Because, you know, they're the same person, and now they're dating you. So why isn't it the same? And it's Mm -hmm. like, how that guy is now viewing the girl that I was with is completely different than how I was viewing her. And so the way she's now shown up for him is completely different than how she showed up for me. Yeah, I've had that experience actually from the other side where I was dating someone who I thought was amazing and I knew an ex-girlfriend of his and the way she talked about him was like not the experience I had had at all where she talked about how immature he was and that he'd never like moved out of who he was in high school and like all of these patterns and and I mean she knew him much better than I did I guess or she'd known him when he was younger but I was just like that's not the version of this person that I've experienced in the last three months at all but I wasn't like expecting that version of him right I had like I had a different way of thinking about him that he would enabled him to show up differently for me than he did for her yeah and that's um you know earlier I mentioned this idea of like not gossiping with your friends about right. stuff because that becomes the virus of like when you have this filter of someone and you go and you start to share that filter with people <laughs> yeah they start to question well is this person really the person that i think they are or like is this filter that this person's so giving me actually true so you you have these these conversations with people where you know if, if you're in this like um uh you know if you have a friend circle and two of your friends start dating each other and you start talking to them about their relationship and how things are going, you'll hear a bunch of rocky stuff. 
And you can start to attach yourself to that and be like, oh, well, wait a minute, maybe this person's different. Even though I've known them for the last 20 years, maybe they're different than what I thought. But all you're hearing is the filter of the person you're talking to. Right. So, you know, everyone has a filter on, on everyone in their life for the most part. And it's recognizing those filters and being able to let go of them where we start to realize how much we actually love those people. And it's, it's you know, it's with your relationships with your significant other. It's with your relationships with your parents. Um, you know, you can look at your mom and be like, oh, my mom's always nagging me and she's like annoying me about my life and she doesn't actually think I can do, you know, anything that I'm setting my mind to because she's always asking questions and concerned about it. It's like, well, that's the filter that you're viewing your mom through. Right. But if you can just really get where your mom's coming from, she loves you. She wants you to have the best life possible. She wants you to support you or she wants to support you. You start to see her a lot differently. And then she can show up. And she can show up differently. But as long as you hold on that filter of like, this person is objectively this, they'll never show up differently than what you're viewing them as. Right. Wow. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I've had tons of breakthroughs. (laughs) (laughs) So he's just like sitting here listening. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I have so many things I need to go to work on right now. Coach Um, Dan, we need to set up a time this week. Um, well, I think that, you know, this leads well into our second episode, but I did want to kind of end this with like, do you have sort of one, two or three tips on, and this doesn't have to be applied by the way, just to like romantic relationships. This is just relationships with anyone in your life in terms of, um, having more, like an experience of more fulfilling relationships in your life. Yeah. I think the, the first thing that comes up for me always is around communication Mm -hmm. and, Look, like I can sit here and have this conversation. I'm not perfect. I have I have <laughs> Actually, these things come up for Dan. myself, right? <laughs> so my it's filter, like... you are Dan. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's funny because like Zoe, you've known Dan for two or three months or something. We met in the summer. Right. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like I've known you since you were like 23 or 24. And yeah. like, and you've grown substantially in that time. But even before we started recording, so it's like, oh my God, like I'm just so excited to meet Coach Dan. I'm like, you know, he's like a 26 year old that rides around on a skateboard in Toronto, yeah. right? Like <laughs> her perception of you, not that that's like a bad thing yeah. or anything, but like <laughs> it is just like so interesting in terms of, yeah, our perception of people is how, like everything about how they show up for yeah. us. Oh, absolutely. So it's like, you know, I deal with all this stuff myself and I I have the privilege of like knowing, okay, here's the two routes I can take in this situation. I don't always take the right route. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. I sit there and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to spend the day being right about we this. We all have egos. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Right? So it's like I'm no... I will say though, like since I've known you, because I've, we, I used to joke with like Dan 1.0 versus Dan yeah. 2.0. You've graduated to like Dan 10.0. Um, but you are very quick to like, you might have a reaction. You were telling, you're like, Lauren, you're the one person I let myself to complain complain to about things. I'm like, great. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Um, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but you are so quick to turn it around and be like, all right how was I creating this, Yeah. right? Like, and I've acknowledged you for that before. You're really quick. Like, we all have egos that react to things. It's like, how quickly can you take responsibility for that? Yeah. Right? Yeah, you start to make unwritten rules for yourself where you're like, I'm only going to, you know, I'll give myself an hour to sit on this and then I'm going to get over it. So a lot of our conversations, Lauren, is like, I'll I'll send you a voice clip and like complain for five minutes. And then an hour later, I send you another one. I'm like, okay, I'm Never taking mind. ownership don't for this. Don't listen to it. Yeah, yeah, don't bother listening to it. It's, it's relevant now. <laughs> it was only relevant an hour ago when I was in it. But um, you're just such a different person from when I met you a, a few years ago. Like you've really gone to work on yourself oh, yeah. in terms of like not staying in those stories for days and days at a time. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, so communication. Yeah, so, so around communication is always listening to what the person is saying but 
not just um, guessing that, okay, well, I think I've listened, so now I'm gonna respond. It's like, get that person to the point where they're like, oh, wow, you really got it. Yeah. And what that might take is a bit of back and forth in that conversation. So, you know, someone saying something to you and you being like, wait a minute, let me, I just want to really make sure that I actually heard everything you're saying. Oh, so powerful. And that I'm viewing it the right way because you can hear everything they're saying through the filter you have and then respond from there and it's completely off the mark. It gets you nowhere. Yeah. But if you take the time to be like, okay, I, I just want to make sure that I got all that and you, you know, repeat it back to them or you repeat what you think you heard. They're either going to be like, yeah, that's spot on or like, no, that's not what I was saying at all. But now you have the opportunity to really get them to be like, okay, well, can you repeat that one part? Because I don't think that really stuck with me. I don't think I really got that. By the way, you guys, this is such a great communication. To, like if you are having some sort of argument with anyone in your life, like if I was like, Dan, you were an asshole to me last week or like you, <laughs> we had a thing once where you like bailed on my birthday party yeah. and I was like so angry about it and I went to you and you were just so like, okay, let me like break this down and understand why you're upset about this. Yeah. And you did. And then we like moved on. And I was ready like two years ago to be like, I'm not friends with you anymore. <laughs> anymore. So like this is such a key communication tactic for anything or anyone in your life. If they're upset with you, take the time to understand where they're coming from and it'll just like melt away for them. Yeah, it's it's really the difference between knowing and curiosity. So yeah, we, we approach right. it from this place of, mm -hmm. oh, I know where they're upset. They're upset because I didn't do the dishes. Right. It's like, well, that's just the assumption you have based on how you're viewing the situation, but you haven't actually asked them why they're upset or you haven't actually, you haven't actually taken the time to understand what is the fundamental thing that's having them be upset in this conversation. So I'd say that's number one always is, is that communication of get what they're saying before you respond because we have this tendency to be like, as soon as someone's saying something, we get defensive or we respond from that place rather than actually hearing them out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, do you have any other like... I know I have one that I'd love to contribute in terms of like a tip of yeah. like, which is just spending a little bit of time focusing on the things that you love about that person, oh, yeah, which absolutely. immediately shifts the filter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like we, especially in relationships that we're scared of, um, where, you know, we've been vulnerable or we, we've opened up. We spend a lot of time thinking about the things that we don't like about that person or that Just don't work. Protection. Yeah. yeah. It's like this protection mechanism of yeah. like, I'm going to focus on all those things. But it's like, <laughs> take the time to like, you know, maybe it's first thing in the morning, maybe it's before you go to bed at night. If you take the time to actually look at what do I love about this person? What do I love being with them? And the first few times you do it, you may be like, oh my God, I've spent so much time thinking about what I don't like yeah. that I've lost touch with what I actually fell in love with. And it brings you back to that place of, you know, I can really love this person and show up from that place. And you don't even have to share these things with them because the the impact it will have on you will show up in the relationship. They'll feel that. Oh, yeah. That you're focusing on those things. Test this out for you. Like if there's someone in your life right now who's not showing up the way that you want them to, honestly, spend five minutes a day for the next few days focusing on a few, writing down, you know, five to ten things you love about them. Watch how quickly their behavior towards you shifts, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it's powerful. And oh, then, good. Uh, um, yeah, is there something else? One more thing. Yeah, let me, okay. let me think of one more thing. Um, I think the last thing is, is ownership. Mm. Yes. We have this idea that if we want someone to say, oh my God, you're right, or like take our side, then we have to prove to them that we're right. But at the end of the day, if you want someone to take ownership for something, you may have to take ownership yourself. Mm. And we can wait for them to take ownership. And they might, depending on the kind of person they are, depending on how reflective they are of themselves. They might be the person that always comes to you and takes ownership. 
But at the end of the day, it's like if I'm in a situation where I really want them to own something, if I own something myself, they're likely going to anyway. And you've likely had this experience at some point in your yeah. life where you really get your contribution to an issue or an argument and you go to that person, you say, you know what, I'm so sorry that I just didn't listen to you in that moment. And one of the first things they likely do is they apologize for what they didn't do. I, yeah. And I've, it's this, you know, ownership on both I had an experience like that a few years ago, exactly what you're describing, where I was like, it was an ex-boyfriend of mine who was still a very good friend, but we had had things, you know, happen that made me want to just not have this person in my life anymore. And I went to him and I took ownership for my feelings in the situation of Mm -hmm. like, perhaps this, these are the things that he did, but I took ownership for how that made me feel. And the first thing that he did was apologize because I wasn't like pointing a finger of blame. Like to this day, I have a friendship with this person because... I did that. And that was actually like through Landmark, which is how Dan and I met. Was yeah. like that was something that they, my coach at the time, encouraged me to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like that's huge. Absolutely. Um, well, we're going to have another episode with Dan, but we want to know first where people can find you because you do have a coaching package. Maybe tell us a little bit about Yeah. That. So I have a, I have a website um, and I have a coaching package. Um, basically, what's, what I recommend and the, the way I've structured things is I work with people for eight weeks. Uh-huh. Um, the reason I do that for eight weeks is because I find as these patterns start to come up, I start to realize which are these like core fundamental patterns that you have that we have to start to go to work with. If we have one call, it's like there's things that will come up. There's things that we can kind of start to go to work on, but it's really the like, okay, for the last three calls, this thing has come up every single time. What is that about? And we can really dive into that over the eight weeks and really start to unwind why that continues to come up in every relationship that you have. So um, the the website that I have kind of lays everything out um, in terms of what that looks like, the logistics of it, um, how we spend our time together on a week-to-week basis, um, and really how we accomplish getting you to that point of like, I am coming from this place of love with my relationship rather than focusing on all the stories and all the fears that I have. And do... People need to be in a relationship to work with you? No, no. Yeah. So so really it's like we can focus on the things that you're currently doing, um, whether or not you're in a relationship. Uh, you know, it, it really, it, it's the way I look at it is if you're in a place where you're ready to be in a relationship right. or you're not even ready to be in a relationship, but ready to take that on, uh-huh. then absolutely there's work that there is to be done and we can kind of progress that over the eight weeks. If you're in a spot where you're like, you know what, I don't know if I'm ready to like really take that on right now. It's like we can talk about things conceptually or we can, you know, talk about some of the things that have come up in the past, but we can't, we can lay the foundation, but until you're willing to progress and like really march on into your next endeavor, your next relationship and like really love again, um, that's where a lot of the work is done on that foundation that we've created. But we can absolutely create the foundation with anyone. Awesome. Well, we're going to link that in the show notes so you guys can check it out in case you want to, you know, learn a bit more about working with Dan. I mean, he's someone that <laughs> quite a number of our friends <laughs> have worked with. I feel like you're building a business based on our... Um, on your friend group, yeah. Yeah, on our friend group, <laughs> which, uh, I mean, is not a bad thing at all. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much, Coach Dan, for joining us today. And I'm very excited about our next episode, too. So guys, stay tuned. It's going to be absolutely life-changing for you. All right. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for spending a piece of your day with us and tuning in to The Low and Zo Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to rate it and share on social media. Be sure to tag us. Until next time, stay abundant.